0: Good morning. Good to see you. Welcome to River Glen. Welcome everybody online, everybody over in Pewaukee and here in Waukesha. So good to see you. Thank you for joining us for church. And uh, week number two of a series called uh, Ghost Stories, which is really about the supernatural. Whether you consider yourself somebody who's really familiar with the Bible or maybe you would see yourself more as a, a newbie to the scriptures, I think there are just Uh, many stories in in the Bible that anybody would say, did that really happen? Especially stories about spirits or demons or um, uh, angels. Uh, Stories that may seem a little bit um, unbelievable, but they're true. And they point us to an unseen world beyond the one that we can uh, see. I find it fascinating how many of the uh, most popular movies and uh, television shows have to do with the supernatural, like this one uh, right here, Stranger Things, on Netflix. This is about a uh, young, mysterious girl who's got some special abilities and, and knowledge. This uh, series, uh, Stranger Things, broke the record on Netflix as the most-watched uh, series. It's actually one of the most-watched series in the history of uh, television, where movies like The Sixth Sense it came out in 1999, when all kinds of... Awards. I remember watching this movie, and there's a famous line at the end of the movie. Maybe some of you uh, remember it. This little kid, uh, toward the end of the movie, says, help me out, I see. Oh, yeah, you know it. That that surprised me. I didn't see that one uh, coming. Probably just spoiled the movie for some of you Uh, who haven't seen it. Sorry about that. But uh, you've had 23 years, okay? You should have watched it uh, by by now. Uh, th- then there's a movie, uh, Paranormal um, Activity, came out in 2007. This movie costed $15,000 to make, and it has earned over $192 million worldwide. And the eighth, I'm not kidding, the eighth sequel <laughs> comes out next year. Even comedies like Ghostbusters and Disney's Haunted Mansion are about the supernatural, and books like Harry Potter exposed uh, many of us to the, uh, the possibility of an unseen world and afterlife beyond what we can uh, see. We've got a fascination with the supernatural, and I don't think that's an accident. I think it reflects our spiritual nature and our awareness of the spiritual realm. Now, if today's your first time, uh, somebody, maybe somebody told you to come or invited you and said, hey, you should come to church at uh, River Glen, um, I want to just give you a heads up. In a moment, we are going to turn the lights out. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to uh, do that. We're not going to do anything weird. Don't worry. Don't be, don't be uh, nervous. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian, whether you, you know, um, are, are a church person or not. I think all of us need to know two truths about the supernatural uh, realm. Number one, there are forces, supernatural forces that exist To destroy your life. Take a look at what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6 For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, not against human beings, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Paul says, There's a world you can see, and there's a world you cannot see, and there are unseen spiritual forces that want to uh, destroy your life. First Peter says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We've got a very real enemy, and he wants to just wreak havoc in your thought life, wreak havoc in your family life, wreak havoc in your faith. But here's the second truth. Just like there are unseen uh, supernatural forces that exist uh, to destroy you, that work against you, guess what? There are unseen supernatural uh, forces that are for you, and they want to help you uh, walk in God's will for your life. In Scripture, these godly supernatural beings are often referred to as angels. And we don't talk very often about uh, angels, but they actually come up in today's ghost story. And so I thought I'd I'd take just a brief moment and and, uh, just quickly address some questions you might wonder. Uh, about angels, like uh, where do they come from? Where do angels come from? Check it out. First verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Notice how this verse makes a distinction between earth and the heavens. What's the earth? Earth is visible. The earth is, is seen, and the heavens would include the invisible beings uh, created by God called Angels. The Bible mentions angels over 200 times. Angels come up again and again. Gallup poll found that 72% of people, 72% believe in angels. So why don't we talk about them more often? Well, a New Testament scholar by the name of Andy Angel, I'm not making this up, not kidding, okay, he talks about this and he says, Belief in God is generally socially acceptable, but even among religious people, isn't it interesting? there can be something of an embarrassment surrounding the subject of uh, angels. He says when it comes to the unseen world, uh, particularly angels, you know, we can get a little uncomfortable, a little embarrassed uh, to go there. We're afraid people might think we're a religious wacko, you know, if we uh, talk about them, which leads to a second question, Uh, what aren't they? You know, because there's misconceptions about angels. A lot of them, like this one right here, uh, that uh, angels are these little, plump, cute babies. I don't know where this comes from or where that picture come from. That's not, that's not in the Bible. And I'm sorry to report to you, uh, no angels in the outfield. This is a movie. These angels help these outfielders. It would have been nice this year for the brewers. Uh, we could have used some angels, right, in the bullpen, uh, maybe in the batter's box, uh, but uh, that's just a misconception. And one more, sometimes people will, will, will say that when somebody... Um, goes to heaven, they become an angel. And I know that's a very comforting thought, but there's actually not a verse in the Bible that verifies that as true. According to the Bible, angels are their own distinct being created by God. They're not human beings. They're not God. We shouldn't worship them. But they play a very important role. The word angel literally means messenger, these invisible Supernatural, godly beings created by God as messengers to bring comfort, strength, help, and guidance for us to walk in God's will for our life. But do you believe in angels? Well, in today's ghost story, a guy by the name of Elisha believed. In angels, today's ghost story is found in 2 Kings, chapter six, in the Old Testament. Let me give, let me give you some background about what we're talking about today. I'm going to use this name right here, Elisha, uh, frequently, and it might be easy to get confused because his name sounds a lot like the name of another famous prophet in the Bible, uh, Elijah. So let me try to explain the difference between these two. Elisha basically interned under Elisha, or uh, under Elijah. Elijah is one of the most famous, powerful uh, prophets in uh, the Bible. He's one of a few people who never died. God just swept him up and took him to heaven. But before Elijah went to heaven, he asked Elisha, is there anything I can do for you? And Elisha requested a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Elisha is like, hey, I want double what you you have. And so uh, Elisha is kind of like Elijah 2.0. Scripture records Elijah performed seven miracles and Elisha performed 14 uh, miracles. And by the time we get to 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha has fully stepped into the shoes of uh, Elijah. And so for the rest of the message today, uh, I'm done with Elijah. (laughs) No more Uh, Elijah. I'm going to talk about elisha, let me give you some context for today 's ghost story in 2 Kings chapter six, we find out there is an evil king named the King of Aram and he goes to war against israel but it's like every time that king, the king of Aram and his generals plan an attack, Israel outsmarts them. Israel escapes before they uh, arrive, And this happens over and over again. And the king of Aram can't figure it out. And finally, the king of Aram, I mean, he is just enraged about this. And he concludes, there's got to be a spy in my inner cabinet. But his advisor says, no, no, king, there's no, there's no spy. Israel's got a secret weapon, the prophet Elisha. And so in 2 Kings 6, uh, the king of Aram finds out that Elisha and his servant are in a city A city called Dothan. Here's what Scripture says the king of Aram does next. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, that's Elisha's servant, got up, went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And so now Elisha and his servant are surrounded by this army. I picture this as a moment when the leader of that army takes out a megaphone And he goes, all right, you guys are surrounded. Come out with your hands up. And Elisha's servant is just terrified, like, what are we going to do? Scripture gives his response. He says, oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. You ever had a what shall we do moment? You ever wondered, you know, what shall we do? Maybe your kids aren't doing well in school, and we go, what shall we do? We do or the uh, Packers fly halfway around the world and play a bad game what shall we do or maybe you're just watching the news on TV and you're thinking about the state of our country and the state of our world and you get to the point where you ask what shall we do or when bills outweigh income what shall we do or you lose your job altogether what shall we we, we do Maybe you get some test results from a lab, and it hijacks every last ounce of hope in your soul. What shall we do? Or you've got some differences, deep differences in your marriage that seem irreconcilable. What shall we do? All of us have faced a situation or a moment like this where we've asked this question, what shall we do? But take a look at what Elisha says to his servant. Elisha's like, I got a response for you. Uh, how about this? Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. This is a very common response in Scripture. Be unafraid, fear not, calm down. But have you ever noticed that in real life, this response, it doesn't always work real well. You ever said it to maybe a kid or maybe to an an adult, uh, you know, don't be afraid, and it actually signals to them to get even more scared, and they take it up a level. But Elisha tells his servant a reason to be unafraid. He says, I want to invite you to be unafraid, to to calm down. But I want to give you a reason to calm down and be unafraid. And uh, here's the reason. Here's what he says. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha says to his servant, I can see some things. That you cannot see. And then the next verse goes on, and it tells us that Elisha said a prayer. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around all around Elisha, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Think about the irony here. I mean, this is not a physical request. I mean, the eyes of the servant are fine. He's got 20-20 vision. I mean, that's, that's why he got scared in the first place, because he could see so clearly. But what's remarkable about this story is that when Elisha prayed for the eyes of the serp- servant to, to open, help didn't come. Help was just revealed. Help was already there. God had already filled those hills with an army of angels and and, and chariots of of fire. Think about what didn't happen when Elisha prayed. God didn't uh, wipe out the enemy army. Instead, in this moment, In this crisis, God reveals his presence, his power, and this army of angels and horses and chariots that were already there in the spiritual realm. He opened his eyes to the unseen world, which is why I love these words written by the Apostle Paul. He says, For we live by faith, not by sight. In other words, God works in the unseen spiritual world. And faith is a filter that we look through to see that God has been there all along. Something, something else I love about this story is that for Elisha and his, his servant, their situation doesn't change, but their perspective did. Their perspective changed. And I think ours needs to change this weekend. I wonder how much of what you conclude about your life is based on what you see based on what you see with your two eyes. I want to challenge us to make this our prayer this weekend. Lord, open our eyes. Lord, open our eyes. I want to share with you two main takeaways from this ghost story. Here's the first one. I think we need God's perspective on every crisis. I think we need God's perspective on every physical health crisis. God's perspective on every mental health crisis, on every family crisis, on every financial crisis on every work or relationship crisis we desperately need god's perspective and i wonder what would happen in my life and your life if god opened our eyes just a little bit more because think about this in all of his existence god has never had a single moment where he worried or he got nervous or terrified or wondered, what are we going to do? God has never had a what-shall-we-do moment, but we do. And so I wonder, what would happen if we just took his perspective into our life? Wouldn't we experience an increase of peace? You want to know who never freaked out in this story? It's Elisha. Elisha stayed calm. Notice it's his servant who got up early in the morning to check out how things are going. Not Elisha. Elisha stayed inside, drinking coffee You know, chilling, reading the morning newspaper. Elisha looks at his servant, and he says, I need to teach you something. Here's how it works. I don't know how many men or chariots they have, but here's what I do know for sure. However many they've got, we've got more, and we're going to be all right. Elisha slept through the night calm, confident, peaceful. Here's what Elisha knows. We do the best we can in the natural, and we trust God to fight for us in the supernatural. Here's what this means for us in our daily lives. Maybe you have a a health issue, and you need to go to a doctor in the natural world while you pray to a supernatural God to heal you at the same time. We do our best in the natural, and we trust God in the supernatural. I love this verse in Isaiah. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, his, Whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. What what is your mind stayed on? It's easy to focus our mind on our crisis, but we've got options. We can keep our mind on our crisis, or we can put our mind on God and allow God to give us his perspective on every crisis that we face. I've got a friend who's, who does this really uh, uh, well, uh, Dave and... And uh, Karen Walls uh, started attending River Glen Church about, uh, many, many years ago, uh, right after the church started. And Dave actually played in our, in our band, and Marnie and I got in a group uh, with them. But Dave has had a long battle uh, with cancer. Honestly, the doctors didn't even think he'd be alive, still be alive, but he is, and he stays focused on God. I want to read just part of a letter he wrote this week. He emailed this week. He wrote a letter to his cancer, and uh, here's here's how he starts out: "To my cancer, and then in parentheses, I did not find it appropriate to utilize dear." <laughs> to my cancer, we've been together now for over 18 years. In that time, you have grown slowly, relentlessly. You are, after all, alive and fighting me for control of my body. So far, the score for control is tilted heavily in your favor. You've taken away my ability to walk, which keeps me from most activities. I've lost the ability to play a guitar as I had for the past 45 years. My sleep is permanently disrupted, but the best part of this is the opportunities to be awake at different times of the night and to pray for anyone, everyone, anything and everything. I'll bet you didn't see that coming. Those dark, nocturnal periods are some of the richest prayer times I've ever experienced. So thank you for that. I live by my life verse for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What what this means is I'm not afraid to die, nor am I afraid to live. So go ahead and do your worst. You can only impact the physical man only. You cannot touch the spiritual, eternal man. At this point, you've grown to occupy my bones and marrow lymph nodes, and the liver? If your only final recourse and goal is the destruction of my body, well, you are gaining something you can do nothing else with. I'm now being seen and treated at two different cancer centers. This has gifted me now with two different arenas in which to share the abiding hope I have in Christ Jesus. I can share this blessed hope with patients and their family members, with doctors and all various medical disciplines. I just wanted to clear the air and to give you the opportunity to see just exactly how you have impacted my life yes you are slowly destroying the physical man the spiritual man will live on by the way you can call me dave i will call you defeated isn't that good he's got just a great perspective you. you know our situation may be difficult our situation may not change But isn't it amazing what can happen in our soul when we keep our mind fixed on the things of God? I got to spend a little bit of time talking with Dave, and it helped me to change my perspective. I felt like I talked with Elisha. Sometimes we need an Elisha come alongside and help us to see our situation, our crisis from God's angle. And sometimes we need to be an Elisha. And come alongside other people and help them see every crisis from God's angle. So this weekend, I want us to pray the prayer, Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see every crisis from your angle. And not just my crisis, but the crisis of other people from every work crisis to every relationship crisis. Lord, help me not to come to conclusions about my own crisis just on, based on what I see. Lord, help us to pause and ask, Lord, what do you see? Lord, what do you see? Well, I love how this ghost story continues. It gets really interesting. The enemy approaches Elisha and his servant, and Elisha prays a prayer. He says, God, strike them blind, and boom, the lights go out. They can't see anything. And Elisha starts leading this army. He, they blindly follow Elisha all the way to uh, Samaria. When they get to Samaria, Elisha prays, Lord, open their physical eyes so that they can see. And God opens their eyes. And here's what the scripture tells us. It says, when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them? My father, shall I kill them? Elisha says, do not kill them. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master.'" So he prepared a great feast for them and after they had finished eating and drinking he sent them away and they returned to their master so the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Maybe a little confusing because uh, this army sent to take out Elisha and his servant is now sitting down uh, and, and sharing a great feast with them. Elisha and his servant Prepare, like, a Thanksgiving buffet for their, for their enemies, for their rivals. Here's the second takeaway from this ghost story. We need God's perspective on every rival. I want you to think about that person right now that you view as a villain. Think about that group of people that you view as the enemy. Think about that, that a colleague that you view or think of as an adversary, that, that classmate, that, that teammate. You think of as a nemesis or maybe a friend who's further along in their career that you'd rather, you know, cut down than celebrate. I want you to think about your ex. We need God's perspective on every single one of those uh, people. Based on this scripture, you would think that for Elisha, uh, who's got an angel army uh, backing him, you'd think that he would use this power at his disposal and just wipe out his enemy. The king of Israel even says, shall I kill them? Elisha says, no. No, I got a better idea. Let's show them who our God is. Let's show them how God's people treat their rivals, treat their um, enemies. I want you to imagine for a moment, you're in this uh, rival army, and your plan to go and take out Elisha and his servant, it failed. It didn't work. I mean, you thought this would be easy. You had them so outnumbered, and now... Elisha and this angel army have power over you. And you think it's over? I mean, you hear Elisha and the king talking about, shall we kill them? And you're thinking, guys, we're done. We're dead. It's over. But instead of killing you, they prepare a great feast for you and the whole army. They roll out the red carpet for you, and they say, let's, let's eat. If you're part of that rival army, uh, you're thinking, this food must be poisoned. <laughs> you know, what's, what's in here? What's in here? Nothing. And the only thing they experience after the meal is not death. It is the freedom to go home. And when you get home, maybe your spouse says, well, you've been gone for you know, quite a while. You must be starving hungry. You must be really hungry. And you go, no, we ate really well. We ate pretty good because God has a different perspective on our enemies. God has radical love for our enemies and rivals. Is there any person in your life that you need God's perspective on? Is there somebody, maybe through life circumstances, has become a, a rival? Is, is there anyone, maybe the last couple years, that you've canceled out of your life and perhaps God... Wants you to forgive them. You know, maybe you don't, maybe you don't cook a meal for them, but you could forgive them from a distance. Here's a couple of questions I want you to think about this weekend. What does God want you to see from his perspective? And who does God want you to see from his perspective? You might find yourself in a place where you feel surrounded by the enemy, like one thing after another. You just can't, you just can't get Ahead. Maybe you're watching right now or, or listening and you're thinking, where is God in my uh, circumstance? Because I don't see him. And my hope is that you will just invite the presence of God into your life and that you'll make this your, your prayer uh, this weekend. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may see. Open my eyes that I may see what you're doing in this situation. I wish I could tell you that your circumstance is going to immediately change. It might not. But that doesn't mean God is, 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 is any less with you. So don't look at your circumstances and make a conclusion about God just based on what you see. Ask God to give you his perspective on every crisis and uh, when needed, on every rival Scott McKnight has uh, written a book on angels that helped me with this uh, message. It's called The Hum of Angels, and it's a good book if you want to go further on this subject. He tells a a clever story in the book I want to share before I pray. Scott is into uh, bird watching. He likes birds, and he tells about a time he visited a bird supply store, and he mentioned to the shop owner that he had a hummingbird feeder. He's got this hummingbird feeder in his backyard, but he never sees Hummingbirds, and he's just concluded that there just aren't any hummingbirds around. And so the shop owner said, Well, where do you live? Scott told him. And the shop owner said, Oh, no, 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 no. There are hummingbirds all over that village. And the shop owner said, You just don't have eyes to see them. But once you do, you'll see them everywhere. And the shop owner began to explain to him how to spot those fast darting little birds. Scott McKnight went home, he filled up his hummingbird feeder, and he said, it's like I see them all over the place. The hum of angels are all around us. We just need ears to hear and eyes to see. And I I believe God's presence and God's angels are, are all around us in the spiritual realm, helping us, comforting us, strengthening us, guiding us to see from God's perspective, to walk in his will for our lives. We just need ears to hear and eyes to see. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you that we can humbly approach you with this kind of prayer to open our eyes and help us see how you're at work in in ways that go beyond our vision or understanding. God, right now, I pray for every single person watching or listening to this message that may find themselves in a situation that they cannot understand. I pray that this week, you would open their eyes, open their eyes and help us to see every crisis and every person through your perspective. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.